Welcome to Fintech Insider Interviews. This is Sam, like you didn't already know that. I'm joined today by a special guest host, 11FS intern for a day, my daughter, Alex Mall. Say hello, Alex. Hi. Now, let me just go ahead and say this episode today, this one, whatever number this is, episode 389, this is the best one Yet, if you no recognize, amen, if you recognize that catchphrase, then you're a fellow snacker like me. I'm not talking T-boy about my- for sure. Yeah, and we're not talking about my diet or waistline. What we are talking about is Robin Hood Snacks. Personally, one of my favorite podcasts to listen to when I'm walking my dogs. One, because it's 15 minutes long. Great. So it's one, it's one lap around the pond. That's how home. we planned it. That's how we planned it. And it's, it's, it's digestible. I'm getting all the buzzwords in right now. This is perfect. Perfectly digestible. I think we found our third snacker, there's, Jack. There's two more words here. <laughs> Financial news. All right. I was getting there because I'm reading the, the taglines that are everywhere. So I am joined right now by Jack Kramer and Nick Martell, managing editors of news and hosts of the rebranded Robin Hood Snacks podcast and newsletters. Guys, how you doing? Great. Fantastic. We can verify this actually is the best podcast we've ever done. Absolutely. And thank you for coming uh, to our offices in Menlo Park for this one. And it's a beautiful day. The fog finally burned off. Alex and I are going to see Hamilton tonight. We couldn't be more jazzed. I've never been. Nick, have you? I have not been, but I feel like this is the right way to kick off a Bay Area weekend. Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote an article in in The Atlantic today about art. It's beautiful. You should read it before you go to the play. Required reading. It's kind of too bad that this is a podcast because I'm actually dressed like King George and, uh, <laughs> and I look pretty good. Do I not, Alex? So, Alex, most important question we're going to ask, lean in. Who did the theme song? Oh, who did the rap theme song? So, for anyone who's not a snacker out there, Jack and I, for our podcast, Snacks Daily, we love to intro everyone what the three stories are we're going to cover that day in a digestible way. But then we jump into our theme song, but it's really our disclosure. Well, here's the thing. We take money seriously at Robin Hood Snacks because, you know, we're talking about your money. You should. It's serious. So we have some disclosures to get out of the way. And we talked to our legal and they gave us some lyrics and they told us to turn it into a creative and entertaining jingle. So we did. When I say we, I use we loosely because Nick and I are not the musician that does our awesome rap jingle. A lot of people have asked that. So we should put this rumor to rest, I think, Jack. <laughs> Finally, once and for all. It's actually someone in Los Angeles. It's an artist in Los Angeles. We actually, I don't even have his name. And we oh, should get his name. The company hurts. that we commissioned to do this did an unbelievable job. Really fantastic. We'll get back to you, Sam. My favorite episode, um, this was a couple, I think a couple months ago, where you actually had somebody that did the theme song. I think it was in his card and yes. sent it into you. We have got a passionate snacker fan base. Someone was, which I don't know if we should, I, I don't know if you're supposed to be doing this when you're driving, but they were potting, listening, and reciting our Disclosure rap intro song. Yeah, snacking while driving. <laughs> Not <laughs> a crime. move. As, as somebody who is a host of a podcast, that's, that's done pretty well. I'm wondering, for the two of you, isn't it kind of weird having that fan base? It is for me. Yeah. When people recognize you and ask yeah. you or, or come up to you. I was at Money 2020 last week in Vegas, and... Uh, last day and i had a, a a woman who's an attorney in la come up to me and goes where's your guys booth you guys are incredible and i'm like this is just weird <laughs> sam we have had a handful of oh celebrity moments but nick and i are like d or e listers at best <laughs> so we very much cherish any moment where also, someone comes up to if you recognize us <laughs> please say hello we will make do sure, the picture make sure my wife sees it <laughs> also we are like we get to this weird thing where we're like okay did you recognize us because you heard our voices? And then the next question is, are our faces disappointing you because you've never seen us? <laughs> I get that at home a lot. And Alex, my daughter, has done that to me, right? Where I'm like, man, you should listen to this episode. And your reply is usually, 
Yeah, I'm good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> You're popular with a very small group of very strange people. Um, for our listeners, and I'm going to say mainly in Europe, um, that aren't familiar with Robin Hood Snacks and the podcast. Can, first of all, can we talk a little bit about your background? Yeah. How did you guys even fall into this space? Oh, my God. Well, this goes way back. We have to go back like ancient history here. Jack and I walking into a dorm room at Middlebury College, noticing we have the same protein shake and Seinfeld DVDs. February 2007, it was negative temperatures. We're talking like, for a European audience, negative Celsius. We're talking mountains of Vermont. Negative Fahrenheit, whatever you want. It, it was, was bitter, bitter cold. Intense. First day of school. I met Nick. I didn't know who my roommate was going to be. It turned out it was Nick. As Nick mentioned, the Seinfeld DVDs, and we hit it off from there. We were roommates in college for a couple of years. Nick eventually transferred to Brown. No hard feelings Subpar that, university, huh? if you ask me. Just but kidding. Jack and I, of course, stayed best friends on this and had such interesting overlap. I was from New York City, the big city. I hadn't seen cows before. Jack was from Cowland of Vermont. I taught Nick how to ride a bike. Cowland. It was good stuff. I was a econ German major. Nick was a history major. We got together after college again, and we're roommates in New York, both working in finance. I actually did a six-week training program in London, which was pretty cool. Nick was traveling all over the place. But we both kind of wanted something more, so we got together for a drink after work at the Old Town Bar on 18th Street in New York. Great spot, Flatiron. And we noticed a lot of our friends were like struggling understanding the financial markets. This was 2011. Um, late 2011, financial, good times, good times. Yeah. sovereign debt crisis, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Another crisis was happening. European debt crisis. And Nick and I found ourselves frequently like kind of making a fun analogy out of the European debt crisis, which is hard, but useful for people to understand a super complex subject. So we basically ended up having this moment where we didn't go into this saying we need to have an idea to start a business, but we recognized a challenge and a need in that moment, which was business news isn't connecting with our generation. And then we realized we're doing a daily job at banks where we're seeing this happen live. We're living with other people working in the financial industry. Our friends not in the financial industry are curious, how can we solve this? So we started a company called Market Snacks as a side hustle at first. Another reason we did it is because we felt a little dissatisfied by our day jobs and we wanted a creative outlet. And we were both ex-athletes. Nick made sure I mentioned that on the pod. Absolutely. I'm glad you <laughs> what, what, which, what sports? Let's, Football let's go there. And, and lacrosse. Which for our, our European listeners is like football, lacrosse but a little tougher. Lacrosse played in Middlebury <laughs> in the football stadium. Let's just put it that That's way. That's a good context. That's good context. It's a growing sport in the U.S. Just move on. Exactly. Sorry. So we actually wrote like after work in those early days and actually for a few years after that, um, our daily newsletter, which started as a blog post every day on WordPress, like the free website. Yeah. We converted it into a daily email newsletter. We got some traction. Family and friends loved it. Those first thousand subscribers were tough to get. The gold, they're the hardest, but the best. But there were traction points all along when people told us like, oh my God, I always thought financial news wasn't for me, but I actually get it with you. And it's actually not a chore. Like I'm enjoying. Jack and I built out a formula to make business news digestible. And then after a couple of years, where we started out anonymously, where Jack and I are doing this literally every day outside our day jobs, and we haven't missed a day of covering action since 2011. We kept growing it and really seeing this then as a media startup. And that's when we started branching off into some exciting things. So uh, that's the end of the origin story. That's the origin this story. This is like the Batman trilogy. That was Batman Begins. Yes. Which was a quality film. It Let's was just go ahead and say, when you're going to restart a franchise. That, that, Liam that Neeson's a hell of an actor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we'll move past that role. Um, <laughs> but still. Hell of, hell of a, a resurgence of that. You know, I, I'm curious, so um, prior to that, like in high school, were you yeah. guys in theater or anything like that? Because you, your dynamic yeah. is one thing I think that works so well, the way you play off each other. 
Well, Jack and I often cite the fact that we played college sports as kind of a critical foundation to having launched this in a couple ways. First, on the logistics focus, Jack and I started a business as a side hustle outside of our day jobs. Literally, there'd be points where I was flying to Brazil for a meeting and we were like I was writing an article for snacks, for market snacks about the European debt crisis. Jack's on his way to Germany for a business meeting, crafting an article on Lululemon's earnings report. And we got to get this out the next day at 6.30 a.m. Eastern Standard. Yeah, it was like a big players make big plays in big games situation like every day for us. So we were very disciplined and we really can attribute that to our college background in sports. But to your question about acting, I was one of those like fifth grade... Um, Actors, I was badger number five <laughs> in the Fantastic Mr. Fox. Keep in mind, there were eight badgers. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, but you were like, you weren't first seat, but you know, five, and that's, that's not too bad. No, that's not no bad. we just try to be ourselves on this pod, and Nick and I have such um, deep, like, trust and history with each other. I mean, he visited me when I was studying abroad in Berlin um, at Middlebury. Uh, I visited him for his last year at Brown. Like, we go way back, and so much of what you hear on the pod is just us being ourselves and talking about our backgrounds and joking about each other yeah honestly honest. we feel really comfortable mocking and making fun of each other <laughs> but also we've instituted these like really fun rules like we do something called one and done where you know a lot of co-founders you know how many times have you you've probably heard this for plenty of time sam but don't start a company with your best friend don't become co-ceos because that doesn't work we've heard these things like hundreds of times but what jack and i found is that like with the right chemistry the right background the right trust and the right systems in place like if jack thinks that my joke about Under Armour stock falling and like an athleisure thing is terrible. He'll say that and I'll be like, all right, great. We won't use it. And we move on. We don't let there be friction. We trust the other person to be making the right decision. One and done. And we keep going. So why podcasts? Why do you think podcasts in general have grown to be so popular? It's a fabulous medium. I started podcasts like five or six years ago. Um, Oh, wait, wait. What podcast did you start five or six years ago? Marketplace with Kyra's doll. Okay. That's you know a that good one. one. That's That's a, I love Kyra's yeah, yeah. doll. One of the best voices on NPR. Totally. In my oh, he's a Navy guy. Yeah. Isn't oh he? Oh, my God. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, he's a Navy guy. Okay. Kyra, I love you even more. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, I have my man crush just like grew <laughs> exponentially so Alex, just now. Uh, podcast is radio on demand. So I grew up, you know, driving to high school in my 1991 Honda Accord, listening to radio every day. It was great. And then the podcast came around, and you can listen to exactly the shows you want when you want. But we think it's perfect for our busy generation of millennials. Yeah, I mean, totally. we need to be informed. We know it's important to understand what's going on in the world. Financial markets are pushing everything. I mean, Nick and I were in college during the European debt crisis. Uh, excuse me, during the Lehman Brothers bankruptcy. Short, we entered the working world with the European debt crisis. Uh, then, you know, the U.S. getting downgraded by the S&P for the first time ever. All of this stuff, like, dictated not just financial markets, but business and economics and politics and culture. Mm-hmm. And so what better than like a 15-minute pod that you can listen to during breakfast, during your workout, on your way to work, in the shower. Yes. We got that Bluetooth shower waterproof radio situation going on. But podcasts are a wonderful way to get informed in an efficient way and we, have fun doing it. We think it aligns with so many of the trends we talk about with other businesses. Like when we talk about you know the need for convenience, the want to self-better and become a better part of society. We see these things play out in other industries, and you're seeing them play out with podcasting too. I mean, podcasting, our listeners constantly say this, our snackers, they're learning every day through us, but they want to do it in an efficient way. They want to do it when they get on the four train on 42nd Street, by the time they get down to Wall Street, be done the episode. And let's be honest, what do podcasts let you do? Multitask. Multitask. Yeah, I, th- I find it interesting, the, the medium itself, right? And, and I absolutely love it. 
I'm, I'm a avid podcast listener. I have, but I do them based around activities, right? Yeah. I'm really not joking when I say I listen to your podcast when I walk my dog, yeah. because those dogs actually. But that's a that's a event for me, right? That happens. It's, it's repetition, and I actually know that it's going to be 15 minutes. I know what I'm going to get, yeah. right? 15 minutes, three points, takeaways. The format really works that that y'all set up. It's interesting though. I mean, to go from a newsletter to the podcast, that's a bit of a leap. So how'd you go from that? Well, for us, we were a media company focused on newsletter because that is such great real estate in someone's inbox. You know, we get that routine of you wake up, you see us there. We're part of that kind of emotional state when you want to get your day going. And that's just valuable place to be. Email is also nice because you get to have a one-to-one relationship that you can control yeah. with your newsletter subscribers, which is different than podcast. We actually don't know who's listening to us unless you tweet at us or something, which, which a lot of you do. When you do, it's great because we get to hang out with you, essentially. Um, but the newsletter was the first place, and the podcast opportunity came with a bit of luck. Yeah. But we were prepared, and we went for it, Nick. We, right. we took a leap. It was the right timing. Basically, we had been fortunate to be getting a lot of press. We had you know market snacks that continued to scale. We'd been doing a lot of TV and video appearances. The core product, the newsletter, was growing. We'd gotten press around being named to the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. And we ended up connecting with a podcast production company. Chris Corcoran. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if I should have mentioned his name. Chris, Chief guy. content officer at Cadence 13, emailed us. He said, I love what you do in your newsletter. I have a feeling you could do just as well, if not better, in podcast. There's a void in the daily news space, like a quick, digestible daily news pod. That could be perfect for you guys. He identified a similar opportunity that we had seen with newsletters, but he'd seen it in podcasting. And that's when it kind of clicked for Jack and I. So we didn't even have to do like the real world road rules audition video. He just called us in. I would have done it anyway. I, I did one for Survivor. Oh, I admit yes. to that. <laughs> well, a long time ago, like season two. Okay. okay so, that's like OG. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I am an original gangster, obviously. Yeah, be, uh, I'm old. Fit for those videos. But what was no, fun was for Jack and I is jumping into the studio, doing a pilot for the first time where you know we're learning to play off the chemistry that we had only kind of had the opportunity to be on video or TV in our kind of TV appearances, but we could play off each other and learn that podcasting, is, as you know, Sam, it's, like, it's a different medium. So for example... Um, we're kind of like 110% versions of ourselves often on podcasts. You know, Jack and I really love pizza. We like pizza. But on podcasts, we're like, we really like pizza. We really like pizza. And Seinfeld. Yeah, and Seinfeld. <laughs> you're, you're communicating yourself, your honest self, your relationship, and what you're thinking about stuff in a way that um, you're a little more assertive than you would be in other mediums. And that's fun and exciting. And it connects with the people listening to podcasts. We had a super raw, unscripted, like 45-minute demo. And um, the Cadence guy said, we see something there. The chemistry is what's really important, actually. And you'll, you got to tighten that. We yeah. can't do 45 minutes a day. 15 minutes. Uh, but that was enough for them to like do a pilot to bring it back to Seinfeld, the pilot episode. <laughs> and it was great. And so we did our first pod on May 23rd, 2018. I still remember it. It was great. It was beautiful. We tried to squeeze in four stories, actually. We didn't quite have our formula down. Yeah, it was insane. It was, it was a little too much. Three's the magic number. We, we all know three. that. Yeah. And uh, so it was a little bit of luck. I mean, we weren't looking for the pod. Um, but somebody gave us the opportunity. And, and then, Sam, it came into what you just said when you're walking your dog. Then we realized, all right, once we have the chemistry down and once we have the style down, now it's about the formula. How do we recreate this every day so that you're listening to snacks daily every day for the next 10 years and enjoying as much on that 10th year as you did on the first day? We're doing this um, live right now in Menlo Park, so we're in Silicon Valley, um, for the people that are listening. And, and I'm going to ask you a very Silicon Valley-type question because um, I see this over and over again. I've been in the industry a long time. You mentioned the word timing a couple of times, and mm -hmm. timing is everything. It really is. Um, and it's a lot about doors opening, but it's also about being willing to step through the door. 
And a lot of the folks that are successful in Silicon Valley, and, and, and it doesn't really matter where, but are successful, it's because they have something inside of them that forces them to step through the door. What do you think it is with the two of you? Why, why did you jump when uh, there's others still yeah. doing newsletters, by the way, in New York? I know they are. Mm-hmm. And are still doing those day jobs. Yeah. What made you two take the leap? What's Love that term, when to jump. There's a book called When to Jump that focuses on that topic which is as entrepreneurs, Jack and I were side hustle entrepreneurs. We had day jobs in finance. Then we were in business school running a company where I would jump on an Amtrak train after class on a Wednesday to go up to do a TV hit. Jack would leave class early and do like a remote Skype hit for a TV show like CBS or Cheddar. And we were running our business on a daily basis. And so for us, it, was, it wasn't just a side hustle. It was so much more than that. So then the big question was, when did we and how did we make that? Leap. Well, we took a lot of leaps. The yeah. first leap was starting Market Snacks. We just told you the orange star a second ago. Batman won. Um, that was a lot of time. So the second leap was really after we'd monetized and grown this up into like a media, media kind of side hustle entity. After or mid-business school, you know, we could have been going to do like business school summer internships. We were like, no, we've got something here. That's when we committed to actually doing a fundraise, which we did with Rough Draft Ventures, which really helped us focus more on like, where do we see this as a media company going? How can we be thinking even bigger about it? And that was an exciting opportunity for us. Sam, like I think with each jump that we took, we were taking on a little bit more risk with each jump. Yeah. They're just the gravity of the risk. And the jump we were doing was bigger. Jack, is this visual working for you? It's kind of like a long jumper. You're not just jumping from a single place. You're taking a few big steps. And I would say <laughs> over a couple of years, we did a few big steps. We started doing TV consistently. We, started, we did the fundraise. We launched the podcast. These were big steps that led to us really saying, sitting down and Jack and I having a heart-to-heart and saying, we're doing this, we're doing this full-time. As the jumps got bigger, though, the opportunities and the rewards got bigger. And that was like a huge learning thing that's happened with me the past five or six years, just with... With risk, it gives yeah. you the opportunity for reward. And if you don't take a risk, your reward potential is going to be like not as big. I mean, Jack, I mean, that, I, that comes second nature to most entrepreneurs. Yeah. But a lot of entrepreneurs kind of stumble into it. Right. Um, a lot of entrepreneurs will build the business plan and then look at it. And then, you know, if you had told Jack and I last summer, build out the plan for what you're going to do and then commit to this full time, we probably would have been a little hesitant because that plan would have involved a significant amount of risk. So in a funny way, part of the formula for being an entrepreneur and for moving, making this jump that you were just describing is also being able to say, I'm comfortable with that risk and having a plan for some of it, but not for the entire thing because things are going to happen that you don't expect. For example, an acquisition offer three months after you launch your podcast, which was our next big jump. And that gets us into Batman 3. So we had Batman 1, <laughs> yes. right? You guys are working... You, you start the newsletter, you get that going, Batman 2, you take the leap to go to podcast. Now, Batman 3, acquired by Robinhood. Yep. And a move out west, too, all right? Move a out drive to, out west. A, a nine-day drive, which yes. I loved you telling us about. But what, what has that been like now, going through an acquisition and, and literally picking up and moving from the East Coast to the heart of Silicon Valley? How's that been? What's it like? Last it, year, Nick and I had you know, a huge decision to make. Um, but it was late in the summer. We just finished kind of our first summer after our first fundraise where we're doing market snacks like 110%. So we've got all this momentum. We've got the daily podcast is growing. We've got the daily newsletter growing. We launched a referral program that was kicking up the daily newsletter's growth. We were doing more TV hits than we'd ever done. So we had all this momentum happening. Yeah, and suddenly Robinhood approaches us. And at first they were just like, we want to do a week of 
you know, a paid advertising spot in your newsletter. Which we like, thought great. was a great fit. Right, but they were great. asking some questions, Sam, that just didn't add up. Like, like, uh, like kind of almost like venture questions. <laughs> like they were going to invest, like, you know, what's your big picture idea? Where are you really going with this? And we're you're like, both looking at each other going, oh my God, I don't know answers to any of this. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met a marketing me. team that asked well, these we were, questions. We were just like, this is a weird test that yeah. we're being put through right now. So turns out they were up to something more. They invited us out to California. They eventually offered to acquire us. And Nick and I thought to ourselves, you know, is this the right fit? Is this the right time? Is this the right company? And we had a sit down with the two founders of Robinhood, um, Vlad and Beju. And we realized that they were, you know, Robinhood's mission statement is democratizing the financial system. And Nick and I had never put it this way, but Market Snacks was really democratizing financial news. And so the mission alignment was really perfect. Great company to work for. Um, we love the mission and we're bringing down barriers in all sorts of different ways to participate in the financial markets, um, especially for people who um, have been left out in some way. So we're, you know, whether it's commission-free trading, uh, no account minimums, or no jargon in the Snacks newsletter in the Snacks podcast. Yeah. Um, it all fits. We saw also, like from a founder perspective, we just saw really nice alignment with our colleagues, our future colleagues, the co-founders, Vlad and Beju, who similarly to Jack and I had been, you know, college roommates who also had been working in finance in New York City. And so we also had these, as we started talking with them, we saw the alignment was not just on the strategy side, it was on the background too. And that's when we knew we were going to be really comfortable with this opportunity. It also happened to fit with some themes Jack and I had been seeing play out in tech and media as, you know, an exciting connection between the two with great quality original material, as well as then the scalability of a tech product. And when you combine those two, there's some magic there. Yeah, there's something we always say to all of our clients and that's that basically now every company is a media company. It used to be every every that's company great. is a tech company. Oh, yeah. But the reality yeah. is every company is a media company now in this day and age. You can't avoid that. You need to understand that. And that's what I think is interesting about the acquisition by Robinhood for you guys. Is one, Robinhood has definitely changed the industry, right? I mean, Absolutely. they've forced the big players to go in and relook at their business models and how they engage with customers. And it's interesting on the media side because I'm seeing media, old school media companies pushing podcasts out there all the time. Some much better than others. I'm not going to name any names. <laughs> yeah. I'll be polite. But there are some yeah. where you, you do want to pull your hair out because you're like, please quit reading a script. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. talk. Yeah. Be real. Well, you're identifying an interesting moment for podcasting right now, which is the barriers to entry are low. A lot of people can start podcasts. So you have, I think this Andreessen Horowitz report over the summer does a great job of summarizing it. But in that industry, you've got, what is it, 7,000 podcasts now or something uh, like that? I think that? it's 700,000. Yeah, 700,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was yeah. going to say time. And it's, <laughs> and it's this situation where like, okay, because so many people are getting into it, how do you really rise to the top? How do you really separate yourself? And it's some of these fundamental things like the chemistry or not reading a script. For Daily Habit, though, I think the personality-driven ones like yours and like ours, um, if if people are going to spend the day with you every day, it's nice to get to know somebody. And that's about sharing the personal details like you do, Sam, and like Nick and I do. Um, we love having that relationship with our listeners. Yeah, we love sharing that Jackson Vermont. We love sharing that, you know, I really hate wearing jeans. These are the things that our, our listeners also connect with because that's the reality. please dial back to that? What yeah. is with it about not liking to wear jeans? I, just, I still you know, they, don't understand They kind of give me the chills. The last time I wore them was like going Once. to a concert. I borrowed Jack's jeans, actually. Yeah, they were way like, too big for him. I figured concerts, you have to wear jeans. But he was going to an experience. Avicii concert and yeah. thought he needed jeans to what fit in. What part of New York did you grow up in? <laughs> I just, for the life of me... I He's can't. a Chino guy. He's a J. Crew guy. You are through the through. khaki part, you man. You look like you came part. out of a page of a J. Crew <laughs> magazine. It's very interesting. So, so this will be an interesting question because I want Alex to ask this one. Go ahead. 
the Robin Hood brand has been widely reported to have been you're so cute oh (laughs) edit you're fine built for the millennial demographic is this still the case and the reason I like that question is because you're not a millennial you're whatever that is Gen Gen, what are you Gen, Gen Z? Uh, Are you so. Gen Z? Yeah. yeah. She's, a, she's 17. Yeah. yeah, so you're not a millennial. So I actually do find that to be an interesting question because yeah, now I can still make fun of you. I'm your father. <laughs> but I find this to be an interesting question, yeah. right? Because you've got somebody like Alex who's, who's growing up and my son yeah. who they've always had the iPhone, right? They've always had multiple social channels that they can connect to. It's just part of their lives. So when you built this, did you build this really targeting millennials? Was that in your mindset? Are we talking Robin Hood or uh, the snacks. snacks? Yeah, when you did the podcast, were you really narrowing it down to your own generation? Because you guys are millennials. You yeah. can't be. You don't have any we, gray yet. We never put down on paper, we are going to do this. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get my birth certificate out. Um, we <laughs> never boy. put down on paper, we are going to target this age group, this demographic. In fact, when at first, when Jack and I were discussing market snacks, we thought maybe the hit would be with college students. We found right. out it ended up yeah. being more yeah. with young professionals. Right. We were... We had both been applying for financial positions when we were in college, and we wished badly that we had yeah. had market snacks. We were our own target customer. My econ professor at Middlebury made me subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, and it was the physical paper. And my, I'd get to my mailbox, and there'd be like four or five of them just overflowing, like stuffed like, like the Scarecrow and uh, Wizard of Oz. herniated disc carrying this back to Overflowing with paper. And I was just like, I can't even start. I can't even start. It's that. overwhelming. It's intense. So that was who it was initially intended for, actually. But um, we've actually seen that there's a very diverse type of people who love market snacks. There are the millennials, absolutely, who kind of hear our voice and it resonates with them. Um, there are college kids, no doubt. Absolutely. But then you get people who are older as well, who Plenty just like the fresh voice and like hearing what's going on with kids. Yeah, for us, for Jack and I, we feel like if we would overthink it if we were specifically targeting one audience, and it may not come off as authentic. Instead, we'd be ourselves who happen to be a couple guys who are 31 years old and are in the millennial demographic, but we want it to be accessible to everyone. And that was one of those complimentary fits with Robinhood, where Robinhood isn't explicitly just for millennials. It's got an audience, it's got a wide range, and that's why the kind of fit was nice. We're not limiting ourselves, but we're just trying to be ourselves. One thing I've always been curious about, because you guys have the format down, right? And, that, and that's what I like about the podcast. For somebody like me that's a avid listener, and I got you guys um, set up, you know, it's bookmarked, I know what I'm gonna do, and I know when awesome. I'm gonna listen. It's the routine of it, right? I know I'm going to get three stories, mm-hmm. very specific. I know I'm going to get this five days a week. Yep. So that's what I want to dial into. We, we made the analogy of a Batman movie. Y'all are the equivalent if they did Batman, but every freaking day, right? <laughs> every work day. Yeah. Because you guys are doing this five days a week. Oh, yeah. How? And, 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 and they're, they're timely, right? Because it's yeah. the story of the day yeah. that you're doing this. How in the world do you do that? We got to walk through the headline hammer here, Jack. We do. The headline do. hammer. Today's headline hammer was different because it was on the plane. It was on an airplane. Yeah. We're always, we're working. We're about hard. to record a podcast right after this. Yeah. Uh, our pod. And um, for everyone listening, we're right, we're right now, the scene is we got a standing desk situation. We got <laughs> Sam and Alex here on our right. We've got our studio. We're going to jump right into this pod. I got right a after. full belly. I'm ready to go. We're, that's what you call And, and they're drinking. Topo Topo Chico's. Chico's. <laughs> oh my God, this is so California right now. Yeah, let's get it. Well, I can get you a kombucha in a second, Sam, yeah. if you just oh, wait. You just made you. Alex smile, right? Yeah, she downs But I like think crazy. this is this goes back to Nick's point that um our kind of work ethic from being college athletes, like we had I, I was a double major and, and played football. Nick transferred and played lacrosse. <laughs> no History major. That, that, that's come up three times. I think we need some counseling. <laughs> Obviously, some issues. <laughs> Nick, I'm glad we talked about this. This is the perfect venue. So mm. anyway, we have, you know, 
we call it a ritual actually. Um, at 12 o'clock, like the lunch bell rings and Nick and I know it's time to start to produce the podcast. We don't do any meetings after that. We're focused. Yeah. We block off our whole afternoon. Um, so the morning is kind of strategic and business development, um, and connecting with our, our users on, on social media and just doing kind of outside the box thinking. Exactly. And then in the afternoon, we're, we start to produce the podcast. So we call it the Headline Hammer. It starts at 12. Nick and I look through like 20 sources each to figure out what's going on in the news world. We're going to primary sources. We're going earnings reports. We're going deep dive into the press releases. We're scouring in like checking a blitz. Checking out Twitter. And we come up with about 20 or 25 potential stories that we can cover in the newsletter and the podcast. And after about a half hour, we put our heads together. We look at the list. Um, and we start pitching each other on stories that I think should be in the pod and that you think should be in the pod. We come up with an even shorter list of like four or five. Ultimately, we pick three based on what's a nice mix of like the blue chip headline, yeah. Wall Street Journal story, the under the radar um, tech company that you might have never heard of, but that you will in a year and we want our listeners to know about. We, we kind of take this approach where, like, um, in terms of the mindset we have, it's almost like we're going through, like, a creative cooking process um, where Jack and I are putting together a bunch of flavors that we think are going to work really nicely in the next morning's dish. So, you know, we don't think of this as just rudimentary, you know, what's the headline? Is this going to be interesting? What are people talking about? It's very much like, oh, well, this story on, you know, we don't typically cover banks. This could be a phone in a bank. Let's complement it really nicely with the le- latest, like, unicorn of the day. That could be a nice fit. And let's mix in, um, let's see, we've got yeah, something here sometimes we'll be like, it's a little too techy, yeah. a little too salty. But what we're hitting is this mix of the stories you both need to know and the stories you'd want to know, but those stories that you want to know tend to be buried elsewhere in the media, and we want to bring those, bubble them up. We always try to have our podcast have three stories that will not be covered on any other podcast or any other newsletter. In the like same our way. unique combinations. So and we're you, not just summarizing, we want to give you that insight, that takeaway at the end of each story. So you don't have a producer, it's the two of it's you doing this. It's the two of us. Yeah. It's so, so, so again, I've talked about this. We've done, I don't even know how many episodes, 300, God knows how many. And we have multiple producers yeah. for our podcast that can work with us. And like these show notes, we have a producer we can bounce that off of. You're doing this every day, just the two of you. It gets back to, I mean, Alex plays soccer, right? Um, and has been an athlete her whole life. It's funny to see the discipline you get from sports coming up. Because it is, you have to be laser focused and, and, and segment time against this and be disciplined enough to know when to move on, too, because you don't have the luxury of a couple days to put together a show. No, yeah. we, like, we like to say that we're launching a product every day. You are. Right. Um, yeah, so 12.45 gets around. We have our three stories. We do an hour and a half of research, sometimes more if we need it. Um, but we reach onto our business school experience, our, our experience in the financial sector, my experience like doing stuff in Germany, Nick's experience in emerging markets, and it comes together to like a nice comprehensive experience plus research uh, fodder yeah. for a nice podcast. So if we're like two collaborative chefs in the kitchen, um, kind of to play out, continue this analogy further, Please. delicious. Um, Jack really and I are also bringing right now. I'm you notice that, right? I'm the maple he must syrup be starving. <laughs> I have all-you-can-eat dairy in New York cheese. There you go. <laughs> but what we're doing is not just getting the right ingredients, but we're bringing those different backgrounds. Jack and I, you know, if you're going to be starting a company and it's going to be something related to media like this, there are a couple of key things you want to have. One is it's fantastic having a co-founder because you're both bringing different things to the table. But Jack and I found we have just the right amount of overlap where we like, 
in terms of sense of humor and having an understanding of each other. But we're also bringing up Jack's the one who's going to be driving that story on, you know, Toyota's profits that was so fascinating yesterday. And I may be bringing up the one about uh, Coca-Cola launching a new sparkling seltzer. But Jack and I both know enough about the other person's topic that we can enhance it as we're reviewing it. So it's a very complimentary process. And then the other element of this is Jack and I just have a blast doing it. Like this is just the really, best part. It's so really about fun two o'clock, we finally get into the studio. Lean mean podcast machine. <laughs> Bullets. We record the thing and like sometimes Nick will jump on the floor and do a push up to get himself pumped <laughs> yeah, up. A push up. But we are <laughs> <laughs> the football player just threw that at the lacrosse player. Exactly. He did a push up. Thank you. Just one. It's but singular. we're having a blast in here. I mean, we are jumping around like People walk by and think, what is going on in that We're like, we're not even recording yet. We're just getting prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's doing a push-up, everybody. They're about to record. I'll I'll, I'll give you guys some user feedback. Um, um, Because I loved this story. I never would have uh, discovered this story. I was in London a couple months ago um, running very slowly. I love you, Alex. Okay, uh, okay, half walking along the River Thames in a very foggy day in London. And you guys are doing the story on Walmart and the bribery charges in Brazil. I loved that story. And there's no way I would have discovered that and found that. And you gave it a great name. I wish I could remember. It was a risk-reward thing about it. it was worth the bribery. It's the cost of doing business. Yeah, the yeah, cost, cost of, of business. business. That Which was, is a line item. <laughs> and it was, it was an incredible segment, right? And it was really t- – I actually stopped running on purpose um, and sat down and listened to that whole story. Wow, and thought, thank you. Oh, wow, that, that just – yeah, but that, that's, that's, a, that's a nugget that is so good, right? That would have been buried in the New York Times probably on page – 20. Exactly. That, that's our goal is we want to find these stories for you that you need to know the next day. You know, Facebook's making a big announcement in the news. You need to know that. But we want to cover that Walmart story and not just summarize it. A key thing with Snacks is each story is about three minutes long within the 15-minute podcast. And within that three minutes, Jack and I are very formulaic about it. I mean, it's very natural. We're not scripting the show. But we want to make sure we're delivering you the news quickly. We want to identify the storyline that we think is fascinating, in this case, about how Walmart is like has an issue with paying off people in emerging markets. And then we want to leave you with a takeaway. So it's not like we just summarized a headline for you or found the story for you. We want to leave you with something that's going to inform how you're investing in the future, how you're thinking about Walmart now, maybe even completely change your thoughts on retail. So I'm Nick, I'm actually going to throw this to you. Um, one of the things that he's getting a toss, one of the things I think is fascinating, especially in fintech, this is the space we're in, banking and fintech, is emerging market looking at LATAM. Right, looking at Latin America, going down into South America, and and the opportunities are there. I talked with an investor, Matt Burton, gets yet another shout out at QED Invest at QED Ventures, who talked about this, and he said the thing that he loves about Latin America is the investments aren't two x, it's four five x the returns that they're seeing. What excites you about the market? What are you seeing down there? Really, go across yeah. industries. It doesn't matter. But you know, when you look yeah. at banking, fintech, and that. Well, you got fascinating companies right now. You got Nubank in Brazil. You got eBanks doing the payment processing with Alibaba. You've got Rappi, which is a delivery company that's now getting into payment processing. So what's exciting in Latin America is that it's developing a few years behind the United States. So you can see concepts from the United States working in Latin America but they have to be tweaked for the individual ecosystem. And I think one thing I found from working in Brazil and Uruguay and Peru is that these markets, if you just think of them as Latin America, you're kind of not doing them service. The habits of purchasing a product in Brazil online are completely different than they are in Peru. So while it's exciting to see the concepts from the United States be brought down and working in Latin America, 
it's not far enough. And I think that's where a lot of investors make a mistake, is that you then have to localize how you're doing it in order for it to be successful. And there are a few country, companies that are doing that. I think Rappi's doing a fantastic job with that, starting in Colombia and then very strategically going to Mexico. Um, Rappi's, uh, is it ride hailing or is that scooters or bikes? Scooters and bike like delivery that's now doing payment processing. Uh, eBanks has been working with Alibaba for a while on payment processing with e-commerce. But if you're buying something online in Brazil, it's a completely different process than you do in Peru. I'm glad you mentioned Alibaba, though, because something I learned from you, Nick, because I've never been to Latin America. But apparently, there's a lot of Chinese influence. There. Massive yeah. amount of money pouring in. SoftBank, we'll just, I have to throw their name out there. <laughs> but SoftBank has, has poured a ton of money but not into this space. Not even just financial no, capital across, inflow, yeah. but also just like cultural influence and, and sort of where, you, where you're learning from. Like as Americans, it's easy to just think that everyone's looking at us for direction in business and innovation. Um, but China is totally influencing like Brazil, right, Nick? Absolutely right. Like building the infrastructure, culturally more soft power involvement. You're seeing an influence that in the United States we typically take for granted. Yeah, but you, and, and I love the point that you made. This was a test to see how well you did. I'm going to give you an A minus because it was really good. Um, as somebody who's been doing this a while, it, it is so important to look beyond your borders and see what's happening, right, in different regions. But don't think you can just airdrop them in and you're going to have success. M-Pesa is a good example of that, right? Um, M-Pesa, as much success that they had in certain markets when they launched in South Africa, it didn't work. It, it, they had a rough rollout. They tried it in Romania. Really didn't work and, and, and buried that story really quick, right? You have to localize. You have to understand. It, and it's just not banking. You have to understand the telecom situation that's yep. there, the livelihood, how do people actually engage and act. So localization yeah. is everything. Well, with fintech in particular, this is fascinating because you have a mobile phone revolution that is wondering if it's going to leapfrog in some ways. So what you're seeing with like what you saw work with M-Pesa, like wouldn't have worked to the same degree in um, in like Indonesia or Southeast Asia yeah. because the, phone, the mobile phone adoption is way higher, but so is like the actual startups that are around it. There's more infrastructure. There are more things you're buying. There are more things you're purchasing with your phones. So in a way, like M-Pesa would have been behind had it been trying to launch outside of Africa. Um, and in South Africa, I think that that's a fascinating country where the complications you have there are kind of more kind of political and whether or not, you know, you're aligned with the right single telecom company in that country can be whether or not you succeed or not. And Jack, I don't want to leave you out, so you get a you get a softball question. <laughs> Trade wars, yes. good, bad? <laughs> the news came out today that supposedly we're closer. Well, I don't believe it whatsoever, but supposedly we're closer to getting this nonsense done with China. You guys talk about the impact of trade wars quite a bit on the podcast, but for our audience, your view? It is a... I mean, we see managers who are just terrified to invest right now. Like there's just insane uncertainty. And every single day we see a new headline about like phase one, phase two, tariffs rising, tariffs going away. Nothing has like actually happened except escalation. And 14 besides meetings. besides the escalation, <laughs> we've just seen words which are changing every day by anonymous sources. And at twenty eight, how much money has gone to the farmers in the US right now? We don't even talk about it when it comes to a bailout. For those of us I mean, that lived yeah. through 2008. It's, it's a larger amount than the tariffs we've collected, that's for sure. Yes. Um, but, you know, I'm an econ major, and you know that, like, GDP equals, like, consumer spending plus investment plus government spending plus or minus imports and exports, right? That big capital I is business investment. And what big business is going to, like, build a factory right now when you have no idea what's going to happen um, with the trade war, whether... Our biggest trading partner, China, we're going to 
continue doing that or not. Um, and then you have Brexit to worry about as well. So I'm concerned that like that big capital I business investment and hiring people and building factories. Um, it's just not a good time for that to happen right now. Well, this is why I listen to the podcast, right? As somebody who's eyeball deep in the fintech and banking industry, I like to get the perspective of other industries, right? Cause you, you guys will talk about beer. Thank God. I like beer. <laughs> uh, you'll talk about Lululemon a lot. Um, oh my God, you guys <laughs> okay. talk about Lululemon a lot. It's okay. I know you look good. You look really sharp today. Neither of them wearing jeans. Um, but, but the being able to look at multiple industries and, and because one thing that I think is really rough in banking personally is we get too narrowly focused, right? And same in FinTech. Yeah. You get, you get so, you get blinders on and you get buried and you aren't looking at indicators that are across other industries. All right. So we got, I got two questions left. Yeah. We always ask these from everybody that comes on the podcast. I'm actually going to let Alex ask these in her dulcet tones. Go for it, Alex. Get in there. What do you know today that you wish you knew, say, five or ten years ago? I think a key thing uh, that's been exciting for Jack and I in this entrepreneurial journey, and we kind of alluded to earlier, but it's that jump moment about when risk is too much or not too much. Because the reality is, if you're an entrepreneur and you're envisioning this company and your future, like let's say your, your perfect scenario is being acquired by an exciting tech company in a few years, that's a wonderful vision. And it's been fantastic to see how this played out with Market Snacks, now Robinhood Snacks, and this great connection we have being acquired by Robinhood. But the reality we found is that in order for that to happen, risk has to be taken. And that risk for us was this may not have worked out. Jack and I could have started a media company in a ridiculous time to start a media company when a lot of media companies are unfortunately struggling, where the monetization model may not exactly be working. And this could have just, after four years, we could have ended up with absolutely nothing. And that was definitely a reality. But it was a risk we took. If we'd written this all out on paper, maybe we wouldn't have said that that was exactly the right move. But we wrote out, wrote out some of it on paper, had a plan, and then we were, had a comfort with risk we were willing to take, and that's how you're able to kind of get reward. But I think that's a lot of things some entrepreneurs forget is that, or want people who want to pursue a business on forget, forget is that you do have to take risk as part of it. Mm-hmm. And I want to speak to the not entrepreneurs out there. Yeah. Um, Which are actually the majority of the people, yeah. by <laughs> the way, right? And I used to not be an entrepreneur, actually. And... Um, I think there's a recent study that says the major influence, the major determining variable of whether a country has a, an ecosystem of entrepreneurs is whether it's typical in that country to be an entrepreneur. So if you're like surrounded by entrepreneurs and you have role models who are entrepreneurs, you're more likely to take a risk yourself and do it. Um, but a lot of us aren't surrounded by entrepreneurs. I mean, I was raised by a lawyer and a, and a teacher. Um, and my brothers are like going into law as well. And it took me a while to like learn the entrepreneurship thing. And thank God I had Nick here to be my partner. In I, mean, I didn't know anything. I thought I had you. I thought you were leaning on that <laughs> element. Do your but wives ever get tired of you two? I They're just like, why don't you two just go on a vacation and leave us alone? If you make you know one that's more true. Seinfeld reference, Jack. <laughs> Honey, I got to get the mic out. I have a good idea. But that's why I think if, if you don't consider yourself an entrepreneur, you can start small, almost like Nick and I did. I mean, the first thing we did was WordPress.com. How hard is that? Um, and sweat sweat equity in the sense that our only cost at Market Snacks at first was the labor uh, of Nick and I putting in the work to do the newsletter. And then from there, you know, with each little bit of risk that you take, yeah. you'll recognize that more reward potential opened up. And mm-hmm. don't be reckless. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you got kids <laughs> and you need a paycheck tomorrow, don't quit your job. But if you have the luxury to be able to take a small risk, yeah. like 
that's it starts small and it can become big. And just quickly on, on Jack's theme there of like for entrepreneurs and non-entrepreneurs too, um, one thing that's been really valuable for us is just surrounding ourselves with mentors. Um, oh for my the God, business. I could hug you. You know what we did this morning? Tell me. Um, we went to Soma, met with five people. I pinged them and said, hey, this is going to be Mentor Alex breakfast. It's on me. I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to shut up. Went to Picnic on 3rd. Great, great um, hash. Oh, my God. It was so – hash as in food. My daughter yeah. just laughed. <laughs> We're in California. We are, we are in San Francisco. Yeah. But I had um, uh, uh, friends of mine that have worked with her, multiple industries sit down with her and just do this, right? It was the advice. And I, the thing I said to me is the biggest indicator of success for somebody is their willingness to have mentors. They're co-across multiple industries, multiple ages. And, and sit down and actually listen to them. It's critical. And for us as a business, it's what helped us grow our company, what helped us work with the acquisition. Um, to this day, it's been valuable for us on strategy. And if you don't have a business and don't have a board of advisors who don't have you know, equity in your business, you know, build out the board of advisors for yourself and your career. Because a lot of times when we think we have to be reflective, we think maybe just get a diary. But Pinging that person once a month or once a quarter for advice. This is something Jack and I work with, you know, from professors at our business schools to the people in media experts who advised market snacks to people who just have an expertise we are curious about because they were maybe venture investors or founders themselves. Yeah. But to really connect with mentors, like how do you find a mentor? One thing you have to do is be, be like vulnerable and actually say things that you might, you know, you can't just totally be confident. You have to like reveal the things you're nervous about and the things you're worried about and the concerns you have and the regrets you might have. You can't just keep it positive. You need to open up and like yeah. share the good and the bad. So back to your diary point. Yeah. You do need to have like almost a diary relationship with yes. your mentor. It's like an open open reading book diary. And pick someone you trust. Yeah. Because- and a great time to do it. New Year's, New Year, a great resolution. I like how you guys wrapped into about what was going to be my last question, which is what's the best career advice you could give, but you just did that. We, we, oh. we, we <laughs> fell or we leapt into that and um, really by default, which I think is great. All right, so I'm going to put you guys to the test because, again, I hear you guys do this all the time. Jack, can you sum up the key takeaways <laughs> yes. for us? We didn't practice this. I know. Perfect. Go for it. Financial news is not a chore if you listen to Robin Hood Snacks because our daily podcast, Snacks Daily, is three stories every day. You've heard how Nick and I pick out the three stories. One of them is going to be like totally unexpected about a brand that you love. One of them might be boring at first sight, but then we unpack like the Brazil uh, Walmart thing. We unpack a thing about bribery and like that can be really fun. It's a 15-minute daily podcast. You can find us at snacks.robinhood.com. We also have a daily newsletter, Snacks Daily. This is good stuff. Sam, I would add to that, but that was the best takeaway I've ever heard. Wow. I'm sold. The best show ever. (laughs) This was a lot of fun, Sam. All right. For me, folks, you know where I'm at. It's at Sam Mall. Um, Alex, very important. You can follow her at Mall, M-A-U-L, 3X. Please do that. Oh, my God, I'd die laughing if she ends up getting more followers than me. Never going to happen. All right, folks. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, and these guys know it, subscribe to the podcast, but more importantly, after you subscribe, give a review. That's how podcasts move up. That's how people learn about it. If it's not going to be five stars, go to a different podcast. I can give you a couple. You can give them reviews. Follow us at fintechinsiders.com. Um, we love you guys. Keep sending us your requests for who we should interview. We really enjoy this, guys. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Thank you, Sam. A lot of fun. Thanks for coming, Sam. <laughs>